the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. That's, that's, that's amazing. Please be seated. We're speaking and, 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 and what's going on back there? <laughs> and uh, he gives me words to speak in season to those who are weary. That's what this is all about. Words to those who are weary because the words that are spoken to those who are weary will cause them to be strengthened and not be weary. Walk without fainting. Run. That's the word of God. Amen. Tonight we're continuing with the message. The anointing of a king. So you have been anointed. Thank God we started talking about the Holy Spirit. You have been anointed as a king. God gave you that anointing of a king. You are a king. The Bible says Jesus is the king of kings. Not the king of the presidents of the world, President Obama and all of that. He's talking about king of kings. That's, I'm looking at kings right now. Royalty. So we must walk like royalty. And the enemy recognizes us. That we are children of God and they honor us. You may not see, but when I was starting off as a Christian in Nigeria, I heard we have a bunch of witch doctors. Early days, they, I don't think they have a lot of them anymore because the Pentecostals have driven them away <laughs> speaking in tongues. <laughs> but when this was new in those days, they, I heard so many testimonies. The witch doctor comes and he's saying, what is this light that you guys have on your forehead, every one of you? What's, what's this light? And the believer is looking like, light on our forehead? What do you mean? He says, yeah, I, I see some light. That's the fire of the Holy Spirit. And every one of us, we have been anointed as kings. We don't recognize that, but the enemies, they do. The reason why they don't respond is because we don't know it. But every time they saw Jesus... Notice that they also come to the synagogue. Devils come to the synagogue, right? They see Jesus in the synagogue and they say, What have we to do with you? They recognize him and they say, We know you. But they also said the same thing of Paul. Jesus we know, right? And Paul we know. Because Paul also had the anointing of a king. So when they speak of Paul, they speak of Jesus and Paul as if there is no difference. You notice that? Jesus we know, and Paul we know. But who are you? Because we don't see this. You are not carrying the same anointing that were on those guys. Amen? And that's the anointing that's on your life today. That's an, that, uh, the anointing that you have is bigger than sickness. Greater than sickness, greater than cancer, greater than want, the anointing, the anointing of the king is greater than all of those things. We come to our God so that we learn to be just like Jesus. 
You could never say, well, brother, Jesus was sick and he's in bed. Let's pray for him so that God will heal his bones. He's aching. It's impossible to say something like that. That will almost be like blasphemy. But Jesus is in us. He said, as I'm in my father, so he's in me and I in you. So Jesus is father. We are one with him. He lives in the same place where you live. We just don't know it. The Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. It seems like you're boasting, but this is the truth. And the more you hear the truth, and you're hearing the truth tonight, the more you hear the truth, the more it gets into your mouth and in your heart, then you are transformed. Because you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, knowing the truth that this is who I am in God. I was sharing with somebody here, or maybe on Monday or so, that in those days, before I knew it, these demons would come in my room and oppress me. This shadow comes over me, and I'm trying to call Jesus, and I'm trying very hard to, to move my hand, and they just put me down, and I'm saying, God, I speak in tongues. Hello. <laughs> and I'm a real Christian. What's going on? Is something wrong with my faith? It's just because I didn't know it. It's the last time, I, if I can remember, the last time, this was something that was happening to me almost every week. And I was so disheartened. And then God spoke to me, and one morning I woke up, and this thing just, it comes as a shadow. Maybe some of you have experienced it. And I'm trying to speak. No word will come out of my mouth. I try to move my hand. Nothing will move. And I, I, that's so frustrating because I will pray and pray, pray, and nothing will happen. But this one morning, God had mercy. As soon as I got up, I was so frustrated. I said, God, what more can I do? And he says, where are you acting? That's the way I heard it in my head. You're acting silly. It's just a little demon that oppresses you. And he's standing in the room laughing at you the way you're acting. And I got real quiet. I felt like a fool. And I said to that demon, I never said, I said, you heard me say it before here. I said, come back here, stand right there. And I told that demon, that's it. The last time I've ever experienced that, possibly 1988. That's the last time. That doesn't happen to me anymore. If it does, I get very, very upset that you, you just touched the king. I can't be touched. You know the song, can't touch this? <laughs> yeah. But that's the way it is. So I know by the grace of God, and my prayer is for the children of God, no, I'm not scared of those things. I'm not scared of a devil coming into my room. I used to think if I see a devil with this, fiery eyes in my room. Uh, in those days, I'll crawl under my bed. Now, it's, it's, it's just, I know it's not going to face me one bit. It's just, it's, it's just the devil. Another creature who has fallen from grace. I am in right standing. That's another creature. I was made in the image of God. He wasn't. And he's not even in right relationship with God. He's got nothing. Compared to my life, nothing. 
Why should I be afraid of a little devil? Jesus whipped them all, took the keys of hell and death. So the enemy has nothing, has nothing to fight with. That's why the Bible says he, he roars like, um, he, you know, like a, a lion. But he's not a lion. It's like a lion. He has no teeth in his mouth. And no claws with which to fight. Once you discover that, he says, I don't see any teeth in your mouth. Like, roar again, let me see. You notice, he got no teeth and there's no claw. And you go after it, he knows, this is real trouble for me. And run. That's why the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee as with terror from you. You have the anointing of a king. Whenever you open your mouth and you're speaking in tongues, you move from the natural into the supernatural. I wish you will understand this. You just stepped from the natural into the supernatural. And you can be touched. It's just because we don't know these things. So if you really know these things, you spend a lot of time doing that. So by the time you're finished with your prayer time, you are soaked in the anointing. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. That's what we need to know. And we need to know to, to do. Praying in tongues. You carry that anointing of a king. And Jesus had all of it. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 11. That's where I will start tonight. 2 and 3. It says the spirit of the Lord. Notice capital L. O-R-D, shall rest upon him, that's capital H, him, that's Jesus. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of knowledge. So when you have the spirit of God, you have been baptized with the spirit of knowledge and wisdom. You have the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight. Notice it's capital H. His delight that is in the fear of the Lord. In other words, his delight is the reverence of the Lord. You remember how Jesus went into the tabernacle, the temple, and drove everybody out? That zeal was in there. My father's house must be called the house of prayer, he said. And I want to see a preacher turning down tables in the church. That is inside. What is wrong with him? I would think, is he possessed or something? What's happening to him? But that's what Jesus did. Turned everything down because the zeal of God's house. That's what we're talking about. That's his delight. The reverence of God, that's his delight. And you will have exactly the same thing. When you have the anointing of the king, you want your father reverence. And when somebody speaks ill of the Christianity, about Jesus or something, there's something that rises up in you. You know, I just read an article recently. Um, I don't like to get into politics from the pulpit. But they had a prayer, a prayer breakfast and the president was refer, referring to um, crusades and Islam and all of that kind of thing. And everybody sat there listening. And you just clapping your hands. I don't know if I can sit there listening to that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, he's president. That's good. But that's my faith. You don't belittle my faith. I mean, I love you, but don't belittle my faith. I cut for my brothers. If you say something about Christ and consistently do the same thing, I don't want to be around you. That's just me. I am first a Christian before I'm a black man. Before I'm a Nigerian or an American. My number one person, I'm a Christian first. That's number one for me. If you want to really offend me, that's where to go. That's, that's it. Other things come after that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. You can be my best friend, but please, without Jesus, I have no life. So don't go there. Don't go there. So it's important. The reverence of the Lord. He shall judge. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. It's so important that you are able to discern. There's that inner feeling, something inside that tells you, you're hearing something, sounds good, but something inside says, uh uh-uh, uh, that, that, that's not the right thing. Everybody says it's the right thing, but something inside you says, no, you better listen to it. These things are so with us. If you saw what happened, 9-11, there were Christians that testified. They woke up that day and they didn't feel like going to work for no reason. Or somewhere on their way and decided they needed to go do something else and could care less about going to work late. They're still alive. Those who didn't listen to their, the voice of the Spirit, still Christians. They went in. I'm sure the same God who is a respecter of no one probably spoke to them. When we get there, we'll find out. They ignored it. You don't judge by what you see or what you hear. What you hear. Is there something inside you, the anointing of the king, just like with Solomon, that gives you wisdom and understanding to make the right decision? You are the sum of the decisions you've made in your life. When I look at you and, and, and look at your circumstances, what's happening in your life, that's the sum of all the decisions you've made in your life. What you sow is what you reap. That's the way it is. You sow to the Spirit, you reap eternity. The things of God. Amen? So we have the spirit of wisdom. We have the spirit of understanding, of knowledge, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of fear of the Lord, and the spirit of might, the spirit that gives you the ability to make the right judgment. So you make the right decision. You know, I've heard people say, well, Scripture says, judge not. That's not what the Scripture says. The Bible says, judge not. Righteous judgment. I never liked hearing much about people talking about don't judge. Because every one of us judge, don't lie. When you come into, oh yes, we all judge. When you come into the church, you look at the way pastor is dressed, right? You look at whether the people shake your hand or they didn't, whether somebody talked to you or not. 
You look at the parking lot, the way everything is. You're already making a decision whether to come back or not. What, were you, what are you doing? You are making judgment, right? You're judging all of us. We judge all the time. We make judgments all the time. But the judgment we need to make is making the right judgment. Righteous judgment. Don't judge according to the flesh, Jesus said, but make righteous judgment. Because your judgment, what you decide in your head or the way you see things will make you, help you to make the right judgment, make the right decision that is going to be good for your life. We all make judgment all the time. We judge everybody around us. For me personally, as a pastor, I know they judge me a lot. (laughs) Please don't let me hear it. (laughs) It happens all the time, so it doesn't bother me. Because everything you do, somebody has an opinion about it, right? Right or wrong. So that's part of life. But to make the right decision and to see things clearly, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So you don't make a mistake. You don't judge unrighteously because every unrighteous judgment you make is going to affect your life because the judgment will end up in decision i don't like this so you go the other way so it's very important that we are able to judge not by what we hear or what we see but by what the spirit of god is saying As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So we need to understand that. So we said five of these has to do with wisdom. Because wisdom is the principal thing. It's the number one thing. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding as well. So we need to have that wisdom. And then we talked about counsel, the spirit of counsel. And last week I talked about some of the counsel that came from Jesus who carried the full, the seven spirits of God on him. He had all of them, all that we just mentioned here. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, the fear of the Lord, might. He had all of them. And he gave us a lot of counsel as to how to live so that you have no fear. Not perfect, but you do well. He gave us counsel on what must come first. God must be first for a man living on the earth. If you live on the earth, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. We hear these things. But we just put them aside. It's as if, well, that's nice, but you, I know what's right to do. The Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He's saying, if you really want to make it in life, seek God first. Love God first. And Solomon loved the Lord and made all these sacrifices, a thousand bulls. And then he went to sleep and God spoke to him. And that transformed his life. God gave him wisdom just one night. Wisdom that he was not born with. That affected everything he did. His finances, his family, everything. 
And then you got the book, book of Proverbs and books that have been written by this man. People, kings came from everywhere just to hear his wisdom. One night with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness. And all of these things will be added. That's the number one. He gave us counsel because he was full of the spirit of counsel. And then he talked to us about love. Love will make you invincible. Love never fails. Your faith will fail. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, I prayed for you that your your faith fail not. So your faith will fail. And your hope can be deferred. But love is number one. So Jesus told us to love. All of the commandments, everything hang on that. And then he also gave us a principle for abundance, which we like to ignore. Giving. Giving is so important. To give of yourself, not just money. Whatever you want, let it go. When you sow, you reap. It's the principle. There is a principle in the scriptures in the Old Testament. It was sowing and reaping. In the New Testament, it's giving and receiving. There is a principle in the New Testament that's called giving and receiving. There's a principle. Open your eyes. See what the scripture says. There is something called giving and receiving in scriptures. If you don't give, you're not going to receive. You will lack the ability to receive from God and from man. You've got to give. Your prayer is given to God. The answer is God giving to you so you receive. Your Bible reading is giving. There is a principle called giving and receiving. Especially when it comes to do with money. money. It's so important that we understand that. Now in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Now you Philippians... Know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning, concerning giving and receiving. So there is a principle in scripture that's called giving and receiving. Some churches didn't participate in this. But they, this church, the church in Macedonia participated in this. And Paul called it, what they were doing, the principle of giving and receiving. No church participated with, with me. No, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. You only. They did it. Just them. A lot of Christians want to quote this scripture. My God shall supply all of my... Have you heard them saying that? And they say it with some passion. Well, you didn't participate in giving. Why would you receive? You just go to your, to your field and walk around. And while your neighbor is planting his corn and laboring, you're walking around and harvest time. You walk back why? because you saw him reaping and you want to try to reap. The guy looks at you and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm trying to reap my corn. You didn't plant anything, fellow. You're nuts. 
So there is that. But in the same chapter, chapter 4, verse 19, that's the scripture, it says, And my God, because you have participated in what? In this matter of giving and receiving. So it says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. So God is the one that supplies your needs according to his, not your riches, but it's according to his riches in glory by Christ. Because you have participated in this matter of giving and receiving. Many Christians don't understand this. There's got to be giving. Holding back, you're just hurting yourself. I, I guarantee you. I, I, I think, you know, I would say, well, there, no one is going to cry in heaven. But the Bible says, and he shall wipe away all their tears. You know why? Because when some of us are going to cry when we get there. When he's shown us everything that we were supposed to have. <laughs> and we did because we were afraid to step out in faith. It takes a lot of faith to let go. It takes grace. We'll come into that. To take what you could have eaten and put it in the ground with no real guarantee of what's going to happen, whether it's going to rain or not. That's a lot of faith. But because you trust Him, you're willing to let it go. That's what is important. But let me tell you this. You can never give anything to God and He won't pay you back. There is a principle Jesus so at the shore, Peter's boat was there. Remember that? And Jesus went onto his boat and spoke to the people. Peter was a fisherman. The guy was in, he could care less about anything. They walked all night. They caught nothing. You remember that? But he gave his boat. Maybe they could have gone back to fish. But Jesus was speaking. And he stayed around watching and listening. After Jesus used this boat, he says, okay, now I'll pay you back for your, for your boats, right? Think about it. Why did he do that? He knew they had fished all night. But he paid them back. You don't give anything to God and he won't give it back to you. It's impossible. You can never sow and not reap. It's impossible. But we don't know that. And we have been deceived by the enemy to hold back, just to hold back. Just to hold back, we are, willing, we are not willing to let go. If you don't have the best thing to do, is let that go. It, keeping it is not going to add more to it. It will diminish because you still have to take from it. But you let it go, God's going to give it back to you. So Jesus is giving us true counsel. Let it go. Let it go. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, Give. Jesus is telling you. It's almost like a command. Give and then the result. You do this, this is the result you're going to get. No doubt about it. Give and it shall be given to you. There's no way out. When you give, it's coming right back to you. Because there is a principle, the, the spirit of counsel that's telling us, if you want to live and be successful, Jesus came to give us all of that. He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. This is one of the principles he's giving to us. Give and it shall be given to you. As soon as we hear this in church, the one who is, who is going to remain poor, whatever that, he's already thinking, Pastor wants my money. 
Ooh, wow. And, and that's the lie from the enemy. Did God say? You remember Satan's word? And so you, he tells you, no, no, the pastor is really after your money. You see, he wants to buy a nice car. <laughs> I've learned not to pay attention to that. That's one thing that is important to me. This is, has nothing to do with wealth for me. I need to serve him. That's what all of us will follow. Amen? You don't strive. So give, it shall be given to you. He says, good measure. Press down. Good measure, press down, shaking together, and running over will be put into your bosom. Not may, will be. Will be. God's going to do that for you. You see, that's why I never argue with people who talk to me about not paying tithe. You just, you, you, it doesn't bother me one bit. It's never bothered me. That's your devotion to your God. Your man is not the one running the church. God has his faithful people that will give to his work. He knows those who are his. So if you don't want to, that's your problem. I don't preach on tithing. It's not important to me. It's not what we get. God's always taking care of our church. But for your own good and for your family's good. Because when you do work for God, he keeps record. To bless your children, even to the 10th generation. That's the important thing about it. So what we do for God is not going to last for just one generation. He goes on and on to the 10th generation. So my sowing to the kingdom of God is paving the way for my children. So that God can bless them. Give, it shall be given to you. It's almost like a command. Give it, let it go. Throw it away. Cast your bread on the waters. Is that not what it says in the Old Testament? He'll come back to you. He'll come back to you multiplied. So important that we give. Give to our God. You see, giving calls for God's grace. It's really a grace to give. Multiplied grace. Paul was speaking to the Corinthians. He says, but as you abound in everything... 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7. As you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, faith, almost everything. Speech, your bold, knowledge, you know the word of God. In all diligence, I mean you are so diligent in your work, in your work with God. And in your love for us. That's the complete thing. You got everything. You got faith. You got love for the children of God. The love for the work of God. You got diligence. And Paul says, see that you abound in this grace also. Read everything in context. What grace also does he want you to abound in? The grace of giving. Read it. That's the grace. He takes grace to give. When you're holding back from giving to God's work, it's a clear indication God's grace is truly not at work in your life. It's about you, selfish. You can have love and selfishness at the same time. This is truth. It's a clear indication. It says you got all this faith, you got all this knowledge, you got all this diligence, but also don't come short. See that you are bound in this grace 
of giving also. So it's possible for you to have all of these other things and not have grace when it comes to giving. That's what he's saying. This is true words of, from the, the Father. We're only looking at the things we can see with our eyes. We don't see how heaven measures things. We're just looking at what we see with our eyes. This person is this. But how does God see you? That's the important thing. So there is grace. The grace of giving. Where Paul calls this matter of giving and receiving. So that God can bless you. Much grace in this. You know, the grace, one thing about giving that's so important, it's not just for God. When you start giving, whatever you give to becomes a part of your life. It becomes important to you. If you give to God's work, Jesus put it this way, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. The place where I want my heart is the kingdom of God. If you are giving to the kingdom, guess where your heart will be? Then you're safe for eternity. But if you hold back, guess where your heart is? You can't serve God and money. One of the key things about this principle of giving is it will stop you from being in love with money. You know, I've been, uh, since I've become a pastor, I've really seen things about money. It's frightening. It's frightening. Both pastors and people else that I've seen, I've shared it here before, where a pastor in a church in Georgia, where we had a lot of miracles, he told me, oh, there are two millionaires here. The former millionaires, they came to church. And he said, sister so-and-so, what did God do to you? Because God did a lot of miracles. You heard me preach on the little girl I was praying for who had deaf ear. And the girl started saying, uh, stop, sir, you can stop praying now. I can already hear. That was that church. And the man would say, he's going to Africa to have these crusades. And he would say, every penny, he'd take a big offering. Sister so-and-so, stand up, tell everyone what God's doing. You know how much he gave me? In fact, a member of the church called me to their home and said, did the pastor give you the money yet? I said, no. Why? She said, "Uh, well, no. He hasn't told you how much came in? This pastor was beside himself when these two former millionaires came to church. But a good luck, he said, these two millionaires are back. They've heard about the miracles. They're back. Sister so-and-so, you tell. That's all. Of, and he said, all of this money is going to Africa for crusade. I got over oh, just $300. Oh, yes. The member told me, but a good luck, we have our $75. Which first she told me, we didn't put anything in the offering. I said, oh, yeah, great. You didn't give to my offering, right? <laughs> and she said, well, we knew if we put it in, pastor won't give it to you. And they gave the money to me. And that's exactly what happened. People come in here, if we have, we have over three or five hundred. One time in our small church, $4,000. He took it. 
And I was so afraid and saying, God, how did he get here? How could he do something like this in your presence and before your people? I, I wasn't thinking about him taking my money. All I was afraid of, and I told God, please don't let me, whatever road he's walked in to get to this place, please don't let me go there. And Irina will tell you, no minister has come to our church. When we take the offering, I will make sure that that thing is already tabulated and we show it to him how much came in and then we add from our offering 200, 300, 500, sometimes 1,000, depending on what comes in. That's been our tradition. You know why I'm doing that? I'm not going that way. I'm not going that way. I'm not going there. I don't know what got him there. When you don't give, before you know, your heart's gone the other direction. And you're totally clueless. God have mercy on him. He called me and said, the members are crying. They want you back. He's afraid because he knew I knew. Because he was talking to me and, and, and he wouldn't give me the money. Because he knew what he had done. We were driving from Cordell to Atlanta, Georgia. And he wouldn't talk to me about the money. So I knew the members were right. Because he wasn't telling me what came in. And so I got my opportunity. I, I, I was just fellowshipping with him. And he said something and it, it fell in very well. And I quoted the scripture at him. Because I knew he was guilty. I said, you know, the Bible said, if you are not faithful in that which belongs to another man, who will give you true riches? He was, he froze. <laughs> While he was driving like, whew. I said, I got him. Got him good. I got him good. <laughs> Keep the money. Keep the change. <laughs> I got him good. He said, brother, good luck. Next time when you come, there was no next time. You know how many times that I saw that? Two times. Two different pastors. When you don't give, you'll steal. And it won't bother you. But you'll never prosper doing that. So when you give it away, it comes back to you in a righteous way. So Jesus is giving us counsel is to prevent us from going the other way. Abraham gave his son. Remember that? And God said, I can do better than that. I'll give the eternal son. Because you give. Abraham gave his son to God. God gave his son so Abraham can have many children. We are all children of Abraham by faith. What you give comes back to you. Amen? So giving is very important. Now I've got to go for that. We've got 30 more minutes. <laughs> I want to talk about the fourth one very briefly. It's okay. I'm going to quit here. The laughter is not, look, it's not sounding very good. <laughs> so we got, you better let us go now but I want to talk about another part of it which is uh, on humility the wages of humility and I want to go further to might but let me say this if you look at the Old Testament 
you will see that different individuals have carried different parts of the spirit, seven spirits of God. Solomon was wisdom. Samson was might. There's a difference there. Samson didn't operate like Solomon, yet he had the Holy Spirit, right? Come upon him. Very different. He wasn't smart. Excuse me. (laughs) I mean, if a girl is lying to you and trying to cut your hair, that's not being really smart. But that was Samson. He had the spirit of might. David had the same thing. Spirit of might. But David also had other spirit of wisdom on, on, himself, on, on him as well. The prophets had the spirit of counsel. So the spirit operated in their time in, with different individuals. But in our time, we carry, just like Jesus, the seven spirits of God. That's the difference. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent ones take it by force. And you have that force in your life, the spirit of the living God. So we're going to be talking about some of those things next time. And so, but I'll quit here. Stand up with me tonight. <laughs> Before Ines starts laughing nervously, <laughs> trying to stop me. <laughs> I'm going to declare very strongly that because you have heard the word of God tonight, which is the word of faith, I know without a doubt, based on scripture, the word of faith is already in your mouth and in your heart. And it's going to bear fruit. You may not be aware of it, but I'm telling you, based on the word of God, your life is being transformed from glory to glory. I believe that you are being cleansed right now because of the words of God. Not my words. It's the word of the scriptures. God's transforming your life. You need to believe this. You really need to believe this. It's not the word of a man. It's the word of God. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind because the scripture washes your mind and God gives you a new heart and a new spirit. And he puts his spirit within you and he causes you to walk in his statue statutes and you can keep his judgments and you can do them because God said you can you can keep his statutes and you can walk in his judgment and you will do them because his spirit is upon you let's lift our hands up tonight to our God and thank him so much for his mercy his faithfulness towards us he is our refuge he is our hiding place he is our fortress he has sent his angels to take charge of us, to be in charge of your life. Yes, you are special to God. Not because a man said so, because that's the truth. You are special to your father. You are a king. You are royalty because you are part of the family of God. And God is the king of the universe. You are a family member that makes you a prince, that makes you a princess, that makes you royalty. And we must believe that with all of our heart. If you believe, all things are possible to those who believe. Your life is being transformed right now. God's mercy and God's goodness coming your way. Goodness and mercy will continue to follow you all the days of your life. God's preparing a table before you in the presence of 
your enemies, those that don't like you, they will only watch as God blesses you, blesses your children, takes care of your children, and everything concerning your life. No sickness, no disease. There is no sickness that can destroy your life. They don't have the power, not power over the Word of God or over the Spirit of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. You are a child of God. You are a child of the King. The Spirit of God is upon your life. The Spirit of holiness is upon your life. The Spirit of mind is upon your life. The Spirit of counsel is upon your life. You have the Spirit of wisdom. You have everything. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And you have a sound mind tonight. In the name of Jesus, by His stripes you were healed. You are prosperous because God is in your life. And Jesus lives with you. The Father and the Son, they've come to make their dwelling with you. And that's the truth. Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness. We thank you for how great our God is in our lives. Even according to the power that's at work in us tonight, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.